baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. It's the Chris and Amy Show. Check it out. St. Louis, Mount City. We are going to have a great day today. Now, Amy Marks scores Chris Ranji on KMOX. Let's take it from the top. Uh, good morning, friends. We are getting closer and closer to Christmas Day. I am it's coming up. so excited. Feels yeah. like we've been five days away for 14 days. That's what it feels like. It anyway, feels like, you know, it feels like we've been 14 days away forever, for f- forever. And now that yeah. it's five days away, I can't believe we're so close. Yeah. Well, it's almost here, baby. And uh, we we have plenty of Christmas stuff for you over the next couple of days. But we want to hear from you. You're part of the show. 314-436-7900. That's for phone calls. That is for text messages. For voicemails, the number's a little different. It's 314-944-1120. It's actually a lot different. It is a... What do you got there? Oh, I'm sorry. I have the Constitution in my hand. Okay. Yeah. I just thought I would show you. Okay. I can't read that far. Um, Amy's holding the Constitution. If you would like for her to read that to you, 314-944-1120. You're the absolute best in the whole wide world. I apologize. Um, Social media, all of them, Mm -hmm. at Chris Amy KMOX. Time now for the top of the order. The top three stories everybody will be talking about. Well, you just heard the story during the news with Maria Kina. Um, Governor Parson has asked for the police or says the police department in St. Louis should release the body cam footage after a cruiser crashed into a South City bar. We're going to have more on that in a moment. And everybody is still talking about the Colorado Supreme Court decision ruling that Donald Trump is ineligible to be on the ballot. We will speak with CBS Chief Washington Correspondent Major Garrett and just discuss what could be the consequences of that case going to the Supreme Court. And people right now starting to travel, going to whatever destination it is for their Christmas holiday. If you have not gotten in the car or on a plane yet, how bad is it going to be for you? We will discuss that as well with uh, Nick Chabaria with AAA Missouri. The best thing you can do for all parties, media and everyone else, is be as transparent as you can, as quick as you can. Would that include releasing the body cam footage? Well, I mean, if you've got body cam footage, I'm not sure why you wouldn't release it. You know, but but again, I'm not here investigating that case or see what happened. But you know, one of the things we realized too with with body cam footage in the old days, it helps you just as much as it'll ever hurt you. It really helps you most times when you let people know what happened. That is Governor Mike Parson speaking yesterday at an event, Fox 2. Thank you for the audio there. And, um, Amy, we were, if anybody has not been listening for the last couple of minutes, during the news break, you did hear the story and have probably heard about it over the last few days here on KMOX. Early Monday morning, a police cruiser, an SUV, um, it at a fairly high rate of speed, 
appears to be the case on security cam footage. You can see it swerve in the middle of the road and crash into one of the really only operating businesses in that area. Uh, And you brought that up yesterday. There's just not a lot in that area where the police car crashed and it happened to crash into the one business that was active. Uh, Bar PM, which is on the south side of the city. And after the fact, the police officers in the vehicle got out. There was some sort of altercation of some kind. The stories are different between the bar owner and the St. Louis Police Department. The police department says that um, the bar owner tried to assault them and was therefore arrested. The bar owner said, no, nothing like that happened, and that they do have witnesses who saw the whole thing happen with video. And the attorney for that bar owner says that nothing like an assault occurred except to his client. So that is ongoing right now. That is what Governor Parsons said. Here is uh, Renee Creesman, who is representing the St. Louis Police Department, and what she had to say today. Uh, we are treating this incident in quarters with our policy, which states that drug and alcohol testing will be done with reasonable suspicion or following any critical act incident. A critical incident is defined as any time an employee discharges her or her, his or her weapon, except at an approved firing range, and an individual is struck or any other incident or accident which results in the death or serious injury or physical harm to any individual. So the police department is also beyond that, not going to release body cam footage as of right now. But this does seem, I mean, Amy, to me, from an outside observer, if there is nothing that the police have to worry about here, if there's been no wrongdoing, well, then just show the video. Right. That's why you have have body cams. Protects everybody. It protects everybody. It's what Governor Parson said, and he spoke openly, unequivocally, and strongly about releasing the body cam video and being transparent. The thing is, we've already seen and heard inconsistencies in this story by the St. Louis Police Department. Initially, the and it was a a rookie cop or a young cop who uh, was driving the car down that section um, near Carondelet off Broadway, correct? Yeah. Did I give that time? Uh, right. Carondelet neighborhood. Carondelet yep. neighborhood, yep. And as you mentioned, uh, just blocks and blocks of abandoned buildings and boarded up buildings. And this cruiser hits the one business that's actually open. Initially, we heard that the car, the cruiser was going at a high speed. And then the police officer said, or it was reported that he said, that he had swerved to avoid a dog. So the video comes out of the cruiser crashing into Bar PM. The cruiser's not going at a high speed. It's apparently a a normal speed for that road within the speed limits. But there was no dog. The police officer swerved to avoid hitting a parked car, overcorrected, ran into the building. So now you have an inconsistency. The police department corrects it and said, oh, no, no, there wasn't a dog. He was distracted. They're not saying why he was distracted. Also, there's no toxicology test. There was no toxicology test after the crash. Both of those things, the lack of a toxicology test, the refusal to release the body cam, I'll add a third one, and the initial inconsistency, which is fundamentally and automatically sketchy about the dog. It feels like a cover-up. Those three things do nothing to instill confidence in the police officers or the police department handling this incident. Look, I fully understand wanting to protect your people and wanting to make sure that uh, that nothing happens to them. But 
when you are an organization, any organization, I'm not talking just police, but any any kind of industry, and a lot of people distrust you, the last thing you should do is distrustful things, is to make that worse. So there are a lot of people who are absolutely behind the police. In fact, we advocate Mm -hmm. on this show that there should be more police officers. They should be higher paid. They should be better compensated here. They're just... They don't have enough assistance. So when something like this happens, it's like a it's like a real punch in the throat because you're you're feeling and mine. I don't know what yours is, Amy, mm-hmm. but mine is. Come on, man. People are trying to go to bat for you. Yes. Trying to help you out. What are you doing? That's what the, are you doing? That's the exact feeling you get because the only thing and more damaging than a bad cop is the cover up for a bad cop. Because I always say. Yeah. No one hates bad cops more than good cops because they are trying. They are in a then very, don't protect them. Right. They're in such a difficult position. So when a cop makes a, a mistake or makes a straight up bad decision or illegal decision, whatever it may be, get it out, root it out. And if the police officer in question here didn't do anything wrong, they have to understand how bad the optics look. I don't know if they just want a waiting game because with news and the news cycle. Maybe they'll think people forget. We'll forget. Well, here's when they're not going to forget because the owner of the bar was initially arrested on felony charge. They said he assaulted the officer. Then they uh, reduced it to a misdemeanor, which already right there, you kind of get, okay, either he committed a felony in the moment or he didn't. Now you're reducing the charge, which means you're not really confident in what you said in the moment. All right. So that, that right there is already a red flag for me. But if he decides to, and he's all, he's got to re, uh, he's retained an attorney who we've heard from in the last 48 to 72 hours, who has been out there talking about it. And in fact, had a string of tweets last night with, uh, with footage from security cameras, following the car down the street. So this guy's on it. Mm-hmm. What's going to end up happening is there's going to be a lawsuit. There's going to be a civil suit filed against the city, and it's probably going to cost the city money. So when that happens, it's in the news. Yeah, We're not going to stop talking about it then. We will talk about, oh, here's another thing costing the city money. This this isn't good, and I, I, I don't understand. And, and if maybe we will find out down the road. That, yeah, the bar owner came downstairs and punched the cop right away or shoved him in the chest or whatever they said happened initially. Or we're going to find out that's not what happened at all and they tried to cover it up. If it's the latter, that's bad. It's bad. It's, well, both are bad. And I mean, both are really bad. You can't assault a police officer. Right. But if they're covering it up, all you have to do is not do that. And it's so damaging because, yes, police officers are are in a very difficult position because not only are they repeatedly, all day, every day, put in dangerous situations, very, very tense situations, situations where they never know, you know, just responding to any call, it could be the last call they ever go on because they could lose their life. Of course. So they're in a, a tense, dangerous situation all the time, and we hold them to a higher standard of conduct than we would even hold ourselves. But that's the nature of the job because they are in a position of authority, because of the nature of being a police officer and law enforcement, they are held to a higher standard. And like you said, we've gone to bat for police. I think we need more police. I, you know, support 
you know, backstoppers, all of these things. I'm so amazed by first responders who put their lives at risk every single day. So when something like this happens, it makes it harder. It makes it so much harder. And and what's crazy is if this police officer had said, I was working overtime, I got distracted by the car radio, I didn't see the parked car, and I overcorrected. And if that had been the end of the story, I kind of think maybe no harm, no foul. Like it was really my mistake. But was he power tripping? Was it an ego thing if that was the interaction? Or, you know, I don't know what the interaction was. Was he afraid in the moment of losing his job so he overreacted? Right. And or, went after the bar owner because the attorney says they roughed the bar owner up. Right. And he and, had a black eye to prove it when he came out of the police department yesterday. Yeah, and if the bar owner, you know, struck first, well, then show us the video. But if it's it's crazy that if it was almost it's the response to the crash, the fact that he was distracted by the radio isn't even the deal anymore. It's right. the response after the crash. And again, if there is a cover-up, that makes it so much harder you, s- for, for good cops and those who support police. Y- you will gain, as a department, as an entity, you will gain so much more trust if you hold your officers accountable. And this is not just, like I said earlier, about the police. It's about everything. There isn't a business on earth. There isn't an industry on earth where the public responds poorly to you holding those accountable for things they've done. Mm-hmm. Because it shows that you're at least honest. Like You might have people who screw up, but you're honest and you're going to hold those people accountable. That's what the public wants to see. Uh, 314-436-7900, your thoughts on that. They are welcome when we come back. That's Amy Marks-Cores. I'm Chris Ranji on KMOX. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Me, Marks Kors and Chris Ranji on KMOX. We were just discussing the Bar PM St. Louis police uh, crash that happened early Monday morning, about 1230 on Monday. And some people want to want to chime in on that. 314-436-7900. Let's talk to John visiting from Overland. Hello, John. Oh, you guys both did a great job of covering. You covered everything I was going to say about this incident. Except someone else said he ran a red light, but I don't think that's that, that was, significant. That was reported. Um, the the attorney said so last yeah, night, and sure. it was reported that he he had the the police officer had ran a, a red light right I, before that. I support police. I think they need to get. We need more of them, and we need better police, and they need to get paid a lot more. However, listen to this. I can finish this up in thirty seconds. The, the 2023 report from Minneapolis Police from the Department of Justice and the 2023 report from Louisville Police from the Department of Justice. Here's what they found. Minneapolis Police has a pattern and practice of racism against black citizens. That's what they flat out said. They said they use excessive force when no force is necessary. They use deadly force when no force is necessary. And in these instances, there was no threat to anyone. And the Louisville police, they use excessive force where there's no threat to anyone, 
and there's no force necessary. It's a pattern in practice. We got to get rid of these bad police. We need to do more reporting of the Department of Justice reports on these departments. They're looking into Memphis right now. The yeah. Antioch, the Antioch police. Have you heard about? All you guys is looking up on the internet. The yeah. Antioch police have multiple police that got fired, more than two dozen, yeah. for racist comments of emails spread all through, even up to as high as. Maybe not to the chief. Right. I'm not but, sure. but John, I want to get moving because we have yeah. other people who are who are on hold. We appreciate the phone call. There are, yeah, I mean, well, there, there are we obvious were... examples of that around the country. That's not what this is. That's not what, yeah, it's not, um, I don't know who the police officer was. Uh, in, in this case, the owners of the bar were white, just that's, if we were talking about race, that they're, they're white. But what he was saying about the historically police officers and even currently finding data that they're using excessive force against black people. Yes. Data has showed that. I mean, across sure. the board, yeah, right. that was something you and I were just talking about, even though it's not necessarily related to this case. Let's visit with John in West County. Hello, John. Uh, yes. I, I'm uh, kind of uh, going along with uh, Amy pointed out that there's no buildings there except uh, that are occupied, except that, uh, a bar. And looking at that video, I don't see him swerving. I see him aiming directly for that building. And I think it was intentional. Mm. I well, think he's got, uh, maybe they should check his background and maybe he's got some uh, prejudices. And uh, the bar owner and uh, his partner, maybe, are the target. Well, yeah, so what the caller is referring to, I know we talked about this, but Bar PM is a gay bar, yeah. and it's one of the only open businesses on that street. I mean, you you can't project from watching that video. I mean, it looks like he overcorrects and swerves. I don't, the whole idea of him intentionally I'm not going to pretend what's I in that. Never, I, yeah. I have no idea what's in that cop's heart. I have I have no idea. I, I think in also, that case, that's not what is, I saw in the video. I mean, I saw the parked car, and it looks like he overcorrects. It looks exactly like it, do, it does. But I maybe it's because I've never knock on wood lost control of a vehicle before, so I don't know what it's like. Well, and that's, but it just but that also he just, I, I don't know, man. Maybe he was having difficulty slowing down. His brake lights do go on, so it, he clearly steps on the brakes before you know several feet before he hits the bar. So it's not like he's. See, the thing is, I've, I've seen I, I don't overcorrections. Know. I, I don't know. I, I don't think it's intentional. I don't know that to be true for sure. But my gut feeling is, and this is just my feeling, is I don't think he did that on purpose. Well, I don't think he hit that business on purpose. But it's also beside the point. It's bes- well, The point goes beyond that. It's, it's the aftermath. It's what they do after the fact. Well, right. Legally, it's all about yeah what what took place afterwards again right. that's a lot to project into that video and also he said he was fiddling with the radio i've seen overcorrection accidents that kind of look just like but that but usually this, what i'm saying like is usually starbucks if you swerve to the left and you've overcorrected you quickly swerve back to the right and lose control of the car that's not what he does he goes straight left like he is making a turn but here's it's the thing, weird when it's when very we don't know, and they didn't do a toxicology report because yeah. your your reaction time would be Way longer if you were compromised. that is not the police policy, but there should be an automatic on something like this. Let's talk to uh, Jim in St. Louis. What's up, Jim? 
Hey, good morning. Let's everybody settle down here and try to not to have a referendum against the cops or for the cops. Slow down. Let's investigate it. Here's an, here's an idea also. Distracted driving. Okay, maybe that's the most important lesson to learn from it. He's only been on the force for a little bit. He panicked after it happened. Everybody knows that. Everybody needs to settle down. It's not the bad cop. He wasn't a bad cop. Well, if he we, arrested we the but guy, Jim, it's, it's, yeah, if, if he said nobody yells at me and just arrested the guy and violated that guy's civil rights. That's not good that's, policing. No, it's not good policing. And it doesn't. Once you're a cop, you're a cop. Nobody says, oh, he's the new guy. Go ahead and violate a civil right or two. Yeah, nobody sorry. says that. Sorry, Jim. We appreciate the phone call, though. But that's the, the point is that he it's not that he made the mistake. It's what he does after the mistake that might make him a bad cop. We don't know. If we can show the body cam, show the body cam. Clear it all up. Clear it up. That's Amy Marks Corps. I'm Chris Ranji. We've got some national stuff to get to, including what's happening with Colorado and the Supreme Court and former President Trump. Major Garrett will visit with us next. He's got thoughts on KMOX. It's Chris and Amy on KMOX, Marks Corps, and Ranji. Good to have you with us on this Thursday morning on December 21st. We go to the Quiver River Electric guest line for the first time this morning. And it is our good friend, Major Garrett, Chief Washington Correspondent for CBS News. He is the host of two terrific podcasts, The Takeout and Agent of Betrayal, The Double Life of Robert Hansen, also the author of The Big Truth, Upholding Democracy in the Age of the Big Lie. I have a signed copy, not to brag. Major Garrett is with us. What's going on, Major? Good morning. How are you? How is everybody? We are doing okay. What's uh, what's going on in Washington after the news uh, we got a couple of days ago that uh, the state of Colorado, their Supreme mm-hmm. Court, has decided President Trump it cannot mm-hmm. be on their ballot we're pretty sure, we at least we feel confident that will be overturned by the Supreme Court of the U.S. What do you think is going to happen next? So the former president has made clear he intends to appeal this decision, appeal it to the Supreme Court. We are awaiting that appeal, and then we are awaiting the judgment of the Supreme Court on the central question. And... The Colorado Supreme Court was asked a question. Basically, the Secretary of State was asked a question. Several voters in Colorado, three of them Republicans, three of them independents, asked the Secretary of State a question. You can't put Donald Trump on the Colorado primary ballot because we believe he's disqualified under the 14th Amendment because he acted in a way that is insurrectionist. The Secretary of State was basically being sued for the intention of putting Trump on the ballot for the Colorado primary. So courts in Colorado considered this. And it went to the Supreme Court. It went to the court system in Colorado and the Supreme Court. And I've read the opinion. It's 213 pages. I've read all the dissents. I've read the majority opinion. This is not a slapdash or simplified or mini judgment. It's a very extensive. It goes through all the constitutional history, the plain language of the Constitution, the history around the 14th Amendment, what an insurrection is or isn't. Is it self-executing? Is the presidency an officer in the United States government? All of the terrain. And it rates to judgment. Yes, Trump's disqualified. Supreme Court can take it up and find procedural grounds on which to overturn it. Say, no, we don't think that uh, 
because the 14th Amendment doesn't mention specifically president or vice president, this even counts, so we're overturning you. And not get into the question of whether Trump's behavior was insurrectionist or not. Supreme Court has many options. But quite separate from the legal matter, this raises a political question. What is the moral weight and the political weight of January 6th for the Republican Party as it looks toward the general election? Because if you don't think what happened on January 6th and everything that we've learned subsequently about what Trump and those in the White House who were aiding and abetting him did leading up to January 6th won't be an issue in the general election campaign, you haven't been paying attention. And so Republicans, as all this goes on, will consider the larger moral and political implications of this. And I know the shorthand political analysis, because it's what's been true all year, anything that is a legal setback for Trump is a political gain in the short term. This will probably be so as well, is probably true. But that doesn't mean for the long haul it will remain true. Um, yeah, Major, I did not read all of it, uh, but I did read the dissents. I just started with the dissents. And what was interesting, before I read the dissents, I assumed the biggest questions would be, is Trump, is the presidency an officer of the United States? And it was Trump engaged in an insurrection because he hadn't been convicted of it. And are we calling it an right. insurrection? But the dissents didn't challenge those things. That's not what the dissent was. Well, one of the dissents did. Uh, Justice Samuel did say we can't do this because Trump hasn't had his due process rights respected and adjudicated on the question of insurrection. We can't do this. One of the dissents did do that. The other dissents basically said, this is an overreach of Colorado law. Uh, this is putting judges in the way of voters. And this is something that we shouldn't do. Or if we do this, we have to have better grounds than we are, than the majority is currently citing on this. Um, and so the dissents did say this is an overreach and this is not terrain that we should be getting involved in. Other courts in other states have looked at this and said, we're not going to handle this on a primary ballot because primaries are essentially run by political parties. If there's a general election question, we'll take it up later. The Colorado Supreme Court said, no, we're taking it up now. And we are jumping squarely into this question of what does the 14th Amendment, Section 3, actually say? What was the historical intent behind it? And did our understanding of those words and that history mean anything in the current context and the supreme court by a majority opinion said yes it's meaningful and what it means is trump has to be disqualified i don't believe that's going to be the ultimate result i believe the ultimate result is trump will be on the colorado primary ballot and in all likelihood on the general election ballot but and this began to happen yesterday california said you know what we've read the opinion we have we're going to ask that question in california other states will ask that question and so what the Supreme Court is going to have to decide is how declarative will its opinion on this question be? Will it be narrow and procedural or will it try to say, hey, nobody else bring this question to us because the answer is always going to be the same. And for all of this uncertainty and for all of this, it's not chaos yet, but it could get chaotic and confusing. We have to ask, what is the source of it? 
We have to ask that question. What's the source of it? Have we ever had this before? No. Why haven't we ever had this before? That gets back to the answer to the source. Why? We've been spending five minutes talking about the what. Let's just spend 30 seconds talking about the why. Why? Why are we here? Why is this happening? Why are we enmeshed in all these courts about all these questions? Because the President of the United States decided not to allow for the peaceful transfer of power, period. The, the, uh, the counter argument to that would be, well, it's, this is all political and they're just out to get him because they don't think they can beat him or they hate him or whatever else. So you can say that about, let's say, the Manhattan DA's case. You can say that about Jack Smith's case in D.C. on Trump's conduct leading to the delay of an official proceeding and et cetera. You might even say it about the documents case, although the documents case is pretty clear. He had them. He was given an opportunity to return them, and he disingenuously responded back to the Justice Department, given ample time. But you could say that there, too. Again, this Colorado case brought by voters, brought by voters, not by the Democratic Secretary of State, not by Democrats, but brought by voters, as is their right to ask a question. They're asking a question based on constitutional history in our country. They have a right to ask that question. And the Supreme Court and the District Court in Colorado rendered a judgment. All of those things I just said are consistent with what is possible, what is allowable, and what must procedurally be considered if somebody asks a question. And why were those voters in Colorado regarded as having the standing to ask that question? Because on January 6, 2020, there was a concerted effort by people who have invaded the Capitol in a riotous, violent way to stop what? The certification of electoral votes. What did those certifications represent? The gathered, certified, and assembled results of millions of people's votes, meaning that was a concerted effort to disenfranchise those people of their legally cast and counted vote. That's what gave those Colorado voters standing. That's why they had the ability to ask that question and have a court say, you know what? You have standing to ask that question. No Democrat was involved in bringing a crowd to the Capitol on January 6th and invading it and trying to stop the certification of electoral votes. Yes, you can say other cases might have a political component to them, but this one you can't because those voters only have standing for one reason. The only reason they have standing to ask this question is because what happened on January 6th. And you can't blame Joe Biden for January 6th. Yeah, and what is interesting is if the United States Supreme Court decides to let this decision stand, that Trump is ineligible, and even the Colorado Supreme Court said, you know, this is uncharted territory, right? There, yeah, there were jumps, jumps that had to be made. Like, like you said, even the dissents were kind of focused on due process and such. But what's, what's interesting is that this would be an explosive decision because people undoubtedly would say this is anti-democratic, so, so, and mm-hmm. so on. 
But what's ironic is the 14th Amendment is intentionally and explicitly anti-democratic because it didn't trust voters to not vote in more insurrectionists, which I don't know if I have an other point than that, other than it just being kind of interesting. That's what the 14th Amendment is for, is to say these people are ineligible even if you want them in. Which is a helpful reminder. It's a historic reminder. It's a semantic reminder. It's one that I'm frequently met with when conservative Republicans think I I too casually use the word democracy. They accurately, and sometimes with a bit of vigor in their voice, remind me, as if I don't know, which I do, that we live in a constitutional republic, not a democracy. And a constitutional republic has a House of Representatives and a Senate, which is a gathering point of opinions, but not a purely democratic institution, okay? Meaning the popular will filters through representatives in the House and then senators, okay? Popular will doesn't rule everything in all instances. It's not a pure democracy. And the first word of constitutional republic is constitutional. So yes, after the Civil War, Congress passed And a requisite number of states ratified an amendment that said, you know what, if you took up arms against the union and you run for office and you win in the embittered South, guess what? You don't get to get in. Because we have been through this. We have mopped up the blood on countless battlefields and we're not going to do that again. So, yes, it's a constitutional refutation. It's a constitutional cancellation. No, guess what? If you take up arms or do things to harm the furtherance of this federal government, even if you get elected, nope, you can't get in. Unless, this is one of the things about the clause that matters, unless two-thirds of Congress agree to let you in. Meaning, there's some possibility. There's a possibility. Congress could, if in two-thirds of it, agree to let you in. But absent that, you don't get in. Major, who's on the takeout this week? So, kind of a heavy conversation we just had. I know, I know. And I went on and on and on, and I apologize for that. <laughs> no. Kind of heavy. It's what we have you here so, for, the heavy stuff. So, so to offer everyone what I regard quite genuinely as a nice holiday gift, we're going to have fun this weekend on The Takeout. Gary Goldman, if you don't know him. Oh, yeah. He's comedian. a phenomenal comedian. Phenomenal comedian. He's got a new book and a new HBO special. The HBO special is available as of today. So if you have HBO Max, get it and watch it. Gary Goldman is a super funny guy, a super genuine guy. And we met for the first time in New York earlier this week. We had done a show with him back at the beginning of COVID, March of 2021. We'd always said we're going to try to do this again and meet in person. We did. It's a great, light, funny, enjoyable show. So Merry Christmas, everyone. Merry Christmas to you. Have a great holiday, yes, Major. Merry we Christmas, will talk Major. to you next week. Thank you. We will talk next week because I'm working next week. Yeah, me too. I come to work <laughs> during the, oh, the holidays. Serious. You've been gone for three years. Okay. <laughs> but I'll be here next week, and that's all that matters. See you, Major. <laughs> yeah. Bye. Major Garrett, uh, Chief Washington Correspondent for CBS News, catches podcast The Takeout and Agent of Betrayal, and the book Author of the Big Truth, Upholding Democracy in the Age of the Big Lie. Did you see this is next. Did you see that thing? I can't believe it. Something is obviously wrong. This is a joke, right? Oh, my God. Are you freaking kidding me? No way. You got to be kidding me. Don't feel bad. 
There's no way you could have known that. Now, did you see this with Chris and Amy on the show? Ron. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like you would not be thrilled with this. Passengers on a cruise ship, a Bahamas cruise ship, right? All Does packed. this have to do with overflowing toilets or anything? No. Okay. No, no, no. But passengers aboard a Bahamas-bound cruise ship have their holiday beach vacations turned upside down. So what happened is the weather was bad. Okay. And they were supposed to sail down the East Coast to go to the Bahamas and the Caribbean. You got your swimsuit packed. Well, like a day before, the cruise ship said, the weather's so bad. I know you guys are all in New York and we're bound to go. We can't get there. So we've rerouted. Our trip is now to Boston, Maine, and Canada. That's fun. It's super fun unless you've packed for the Bahamas. Well, well, stay on the boat. <laughs> Canada in December and you're wearing Tommy Bahama hey, shorts. It's probably 55 degrees up there right now, so like it is here. One family had kids and they said we had to buy all new clothes in New York because we were already packed with swimsuits. It's pretty awesome. A couple of kids went swimming anyway and they said they were freezing. <laughs> they were on the pool in the on the cruise ship in New York. It's awesome. Oh. Amy, did you see the story about, well, you know, Dean Plocker, the Speaker yeah. of the House in the state of Missouri here. Um, he's been under fire for the last several weeks. I mean, a lot of people are not happy with him. So allegedly, uh, according to reporting, he had spent $60,000 renovating his office in late 2022. Mm-hmm. Look, I don't know if that's a lot of money for renovation of a uh, you know, a house office in the state. I don't know. Maybe it's fine. But he took over a space and converted it into what people have called the butler's pantry, which is a storage room stocked with liquor, beer, wine, and soda. <laughs> he made a butler's pantry. He made a butler's pantry. I don't know. I, I don't have a problem with that. I mean, hey. it's kind of nice. I mean, hey, it seems nice to me. It's formal. It's super formal. <laughs> so this is a, a do from reporting from the uh, Missouri yeah. Independent uh, about twenty nine thousand dollars. The <laughs> other. Uh, so part of it went to this twenty nine thousand dollars of that sixty thousand went to a black leather sofa and armchairs. Yeah. A walnut table, oh. a refrigerator with an ice maker and a custom cabinet to hold the refrigerator, and then two walnut trash can bins for $385. I think it probably looks nice this in there. This guy's ready to get business done. I know. He looks like he's ready to make some deals. What? Do you, look, you can't be making deals in a shack. Oh, and plastic trash bins, or maybe like a grocery bag on a door handle like I've done before in my apartment. I'm sorry, what? Yeah, a plastic grocery bag. You hang it on a door handle. And that was your garbage can? Yes, it was. When? How recently was that your garbage can? Amy, um, how recently were you using plastic Walmart bags? It is current. <laughs> At my apartment. <laughs> oh. I hate my big, God. My I hate big trash cans. My apartment is a hundred square feet. I don't want to use four square feet on so a trash you, can. You hang a schnooks bag on yes. the door? The door of my closet. Like <laughs> that the, oh the like God. little hallway closet. I hang the schnooks bag on the door. But I'll, I'll hang it on the inside of the door. You are a grown-ass woman. I'll hang it on the inside is... of the door. To wow. be fair, this also upsets my sister. <laughs> we used to upset my roommate because we'd drop a Whole Foods bag oh. on the side of the counter and say, that's our garbage bag. Oh my gosh, I do that when I'm 
when I go to Whole Foods. Hey, Nick Chavaria <laughs> from AAA Missouri. How bad your commute going to be at Christmas? We'll tell you next on KMOX. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.